0: Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable tools and testers connectors or relays sacramento electronics is open for you monday through friday 8 30 a.m to 4 p.m directly south of costco and rancho cordova or hey visit them online 24 7 at www.sacelec.com and do it Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Who. Jim Bob Foley. Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian-Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop huh? from the King's Herald Barbershop.
1: You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith. And with me today, writer for the Kings Herald, my co host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going?
2: Will, uh, the Kings are still playing a, a good, decent level of basketball, so I am good as well.
1: That was good to hear. Yeah. He's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, true pride of French Lick himself. It's Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, an absolute pleasure to have you today. How's it going?
0: Well, it's great to be with you guys, and uh, yep, still, uh, hey, I enjoy watching this
1: team play. I just really get a kick out of them, and uh, so everything's good with me. Well, that's good to hear. So uh, so the Kings uh, will reach the halfway point of their season this Friday, uh, Friday the 13th, and so I figured it's, uh, it's about time we give our boys in purple a, a bit of a midway assessment. Uh, just as an anchor point for our listeners at the time of this recording, uh, the Kings are currently 21 and 18. They are fifth in the Western Conference. And, uh, hey, they are first in the Pacific Division. We're going to go through the players, the coaches, management. But first, I wanted to get a view from a 1,000 feet. So with all that in mind, guys, where would you judge the Kings franchise as a whole right now, essentially, at the midpoint of the season?
0: Well, for me, uh, uh, you know, I mean, to just the record's the record. And, and if somebody told me that, you know, basically at the midpoint they'd have over 20 or more wins. Yeah. Uh, I'd have been thrilled to death, and I'd said, "My God, I, you know, having said that, that it's like anything. Once they get there, you think, Boy, I wish they could have done a little better. They <laughs> they lost a couple games, but yeah, but the but the reality is, uh, you know, I, I think they've certainly achieved more than we had any right to expect when this whole thing started."
2: Yeah, the record is undeniable and much better than I would have predicted. So it's like there's a lot of little details here and there that are frustrating or worse than I thought they would be or aspects of the season that are going much better than I thought they would be. But once you kind of peel it all back and just look at the record, it's hard to at, at any to be a realistic Kings fan and not and not happy about how the Kings have performed standings-wise, record-wise to this point. Um I don't know what your expectations could be. So I'm I'm fairly happy still. Um they the team does have major issues, uh, especially if you look over the last 10 games, they are the they have the worst defense in the league right now, or I think it's second worst by defensive rating, uh, but they're giving up the most points in the paint by a wide margin right now over the last 10 games, and their offense is still very, very good. I think it's third in the league over that same stretch, so they are kind of the best version of what we thought they'd be on offense, and at least lately, kind of the worst version of what we thought they'd be on defense as well.
0: Yeah, that, def- that Yeah, that defense. You know, I mean, you know, it's just. I think the thing that disappoints me the most, and you guys, will might you know, have a different thought on this, but, uh, you know, they're worse than they were when they started. Yeah. The yeah. season, and that 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 really disappoints me. I was uh, call me an optimist or whatever you want, but I just assumed they would get better as the year went on, and they clearly are worse.
1: Sure. You know, we'll jump right into this then uh jerry just just so that i can get a first half grade from each of you guys on this what would you grade uh we'll, we'll start with the team defense because that's what we're talking about where would you grade this first half of the season uh the, the way the team defense has uh, has been for the kings they're 25th right now in the league in opponent points per game 117.1 they're uh 24th in defensive rating uh where do you guys grade grade the kings in terms of their defense this first half of the season
0: Well, for me, I'd have to give them a a D, no better than a D, might even be a D minus, but definitely a D because of really, uh, really their ratings, uh, number one, and the fact that they have not improved. And that was kind of the charge for the season when it started. So, uh, probably a D might be, you know, a little over.
1: I don't know, (laughs) Tony. What about you? Where do you see it?
2: Yeah, I think D is fair. It's it's frustrating that they've they've seemed to be getting worse, and I think uh, to I don't know get even more specific. I think their interior defense has been the the biggest problem, and even more specific than that, I never thought a backup center was this valuable. But the Kings are making that spot seem so hard to fill and so valuable. You you see the bench come in, and there are big guys rebounding over whoever the Kings put in there. Uh, opposing bench units are attacking the paint, and they're attacking Sabonis too. But man, I never thought backup center would be such an important role. But this Kings team is really making, really highlighting how how rough the Kings have it behind Sabonis there.
1: Gary, do you feel like that's the difference, uh, just having a backup center that can rebound and, and block some shots? Do you think that that's enough to, to improve the Kings team defense, that, uh, that it would be a difference maker? Or do you feel like it's more a, syst- a systemic thing with uh, Sabonis being your center or something, you know, the guard play the way it's been playing? Where do you see the Kings improving in the second half of the season?
0: Well, I mean, Tony Hill, you know, I mean, uh, Sabonis is not a particularly good defender. I mean, he's going to give you great effort. Uh, yeah. He's not a shot blocker. I, but to me, that isn't the problem. Uh, the problem is the perimeter defense. I mean, if you're going to get beat off the dribble, whoever is back there to pick him up is in trouble. You know, uh, it may be a bigger guy who can might block a shot occasionally. That doesn't even mean you'd get it back. But, oh, but it's a most likely just going to lead to fouls, which is what we see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, yeah, I think it's uh, the perimeter defense. I mean, they have got to do a better job of staying in front of other than Davion, who stays in front of his man consistently. Uh, I think the answer is zero okay. be with, at this stage. And so, I mean, uh, sure. A black up center would help. That's a good defender, but would definitely help. Uh, defensively might hurt you offensively. (laughs) Uh, So there is that. Uh, But, but to me, you know, uh, you, you know, with all of Sabonis's uh, weaknesses, you know uh, I think he's less of a problem than the perimeter.
1: Uh, Call me a little bit soft. I, 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 when I was going through these grades in my head before we started the podcast, I kind of like internally, like gave the Kings like a C C minus for their defense only because I'm trying to keep my expectations in check. The Kings are 41 games into Mike Brown's tenure. And and last year, the defense was like historically bad. And part of me, as I was sitting there thinking about it today, I went, the Kings haven't been that bad on defense. But I think it's just because we're seeing a regular like NBA level bad defense instead of like historically bad defense. And so my like the fan brain in me, I've been trying to wrestle with that a little bit where it's like, I want to give this kid a passing grade because I know he's struggling, but boy, is he working a lot harder than he was last year at it. And so (laughs) I'm curious, Jerry, um, is this something that can be turned around in the next 41 games? Do you feel like this is something that has to be addressed uh, with a trade internally? How how do you see this winding up? If you could predict, maybe not predict, but if the Kings are going to be better in the second half of the season, how much is this going to be determined on a trade versus internal effort things that need to be going on?
0: Well, I, I think to answer your question as best I can, I, I think it can get better. It, it's going to be hard for it to go get worse. I mean, they're, they're the last 10 games to be truthful. They just have been bad, really bad. So yes. Can it get, I think it can get better with the current personnel, uh, and I mean, and, and maintain that high level of offensive efficiency, which is also true. But uh, yeah, if you could make a trade uh, to get somebody that makes you better, whether it's backup center or another wing defender type guy, I, I, I I'm all in favor of both those things. Uh, whether uh, but like I say, I think it has to start. For this team, this is team's of work in progress. This is not a finished product, and and I mean, you know, people are, oh, if they trade five guys and go get a young Keem Elijah, one, they'll be a lot better. Well, yeah, but that's not going to happen. So, <laughs> this is I think, generally speaking, this is who you've got, and and you're trying to, and I'm sure Monty would, they'd like to improve it, but it's going to be around the edges. It's not going to be something major. So, uh, you better get better with the guys that are playing and, and, and I, and I see no reason why they can't. And, and I guess I'd say one other thing. And, and I, my opinion is they need to play more zone. Uh, you're going to give up some more, maybe some more threes, but if you could protect the basket better uh, and, and keep teams from being able to play inside out as easy, uh, I think, uh, I, I think they'd be better uh, i mean not saying you play it, but really honestly play it probably 20 25 minutes a game i don't people say well now there's a risk in that i said what would it be what risk could there probably be there i don't know
1: dropping to 30th in the NBA rather than a 29th yeah last 20
0: that, yeah that's what i say you know there's <laughs> sometimes there's not much risk yeah you know <laughs>
1: Tony how do you feel about the uh, the Kings in the second half of the season in uh, in regards to their team
2: defense I think it can get better it should get better and they've played better than they are right now we're in a weird stretch right now I know like we keep talking about this kind of 10 game group of games cuz that's kind of the cadence of our podcast we record every other week so the last 10 games have been exceptionally bad they haven't been this bad all year I do think they can get better they should get better and the but the alarming thing is I don't think this 10 game stretch has been that uh full of like prolific offensive teams either. It's not like they're playing great offensive teams and they're having a rough time on defense. They're having a rough time on defense playing some pretty middle of the road, middle of the pack offensive team. So from that standpoint, it does seem like it, it wouldn't take a whole lot for Mike Brown to get these guys to be playing at least a little bit better than they are right now because this this stretch, uh, this recent stretch has been exceptionally bad for a team that is is also already not a very good defensive team.
1: Okay, so we're going to move on to something that I actually like talking about when it comes to the Kings, uh, their offense. So the the Kings are currently first in the NBA in points per game at 118.8 a contest. They are third in the NBA in terms of their uh, uh, offensive rating. They're third in pace. They're running faster than they have in a long time. Uh, What would you guys uh, give as grades and then um, maybe uh, another second half bump to bump their grades. If it's not an A plus, uh, plus, plus, plus what you'd like to see in the second half uh, with the Kings.
0: Well, for me, I'd give them an A. I mean, I think they're, they're, they're good at what they do. They're fun. They're totally unselfish. Uh, you know, the players are who they are. You're not talking about the championship team here, but it is a, almost a championship offense. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean, so, yeah, i give them an A, and what could they do a little better? Uh, I still think, and I know, you know, this is the old man get off my lawn type thing, uh, but I would like to see some set plays down the stretch of games more. You know, when it gets in, I mean, obviously Fox is great in, in you know, open court or even uh, giving him some space to ISO, and I got no problem with a lot of that. But at some point, you know, just, a need play, have, you know, get a, a little structure to your offense, not just hoping the defense gives you something. So, uh, you know, that that would be just a minor thing, but I think it it might help you win a game.
1: Tony, what about you? How do you feel about uh, this first half uh, uh, team teams offense?
2: Yeah. So Jerry mentioned um, being excited to watch this team play and I feel the exact same way. And it's a hundred percent because of the offense, the offense is so fun and and the numbers look great too, but it's also just a fun offense to, to watch. I love this starting lineup together. They play really s- smart, good basketball. Uh, and it's, it is a- scary in a good way that I do think there is still some room for improvement. Um, you've got two players in Kevin Herter and uh And Keegan Murray, who are shooting very well from three, but you've also got a lot of pretty good three-point shooters on this roster that aren't shooting that well. So I I do think there's some room for improvement for some better three-point shooting from your role, guys. And another uh, player who I think has been a huge disappointment on offense, and uh, I think there's reasons why he has been this way, but Davion Mitchell's offense, for as good as his defense has been, and I love his defense, he's one of my favorite players on this roster, his offense has been non-existent for so many games. I looked up this before we started recording because i was just curious he's only scored in double figures three times all season and he's played in uh what is it 30 38 games something like that that's crazy for your backup point guard your backup primary ball handler i know malik monk handles the ball a ton off the bench but still for davion mitchell a second year guard who you you want more offense out of to only have three double figure uh double digit games is is tough so that's one player who, if, if I could pick anyone on the roster to have a better second half offensively, it would it would be Davion for me. He's He's got to pick it up there, and I think he can.
0: Yeah, Davion's one of those guys that, uh, to me, uh, he's got to, to improve a, a, as a mid-range shooter. You know, right now, he'll spot up from three or try to get all the way to basket. And uh, he's never going to be highly successful until he really develops – a floater the the mid-range escape dribble kind of thing and and uh you know you know that's a process but but I don't know why he can't get there you know with his work ethic and everything but but I agree with you Tony I mean he's just not good enough offensively right now and he needs to find a way to be better offensively and and kind of look for his own shot a little bit more.
1: Gary you've been you've been pretty high on Davion in the past uh, do you feel like that's all it is, that he needs to hunt his shot a little bit more? Or do you feel like that's, this is the a product of the offense where Malik Monk kind of draws so much of the offense for himself? Where do you feel like this this is between Davion and the bench and why he isn't scoring as much as he probably should be at his age and, and his tenure in the league?
0: Well, yeah, I, I honestly think it's a couple of things. You know, obviously sporadic minutes, so to speak. Uh, that's always tougher to get an offensive rhythm going. I mean, Monk does because he's hunting shots. Yeah, <laughs> <sure. Yeah. laughs> and so, but Davion isn't. And so, uh, but but that's fine. But I, I think too, I, I think Davion, it seems to me, he goes into games to affect the team defensively. And I think maybe at the fault of his offense to understand, uh, yeah, you can affect the team offense too by, you know, not not necessarily always, Getting a shot, but getting into that mid area, drawing people to you for the easy—he doesn't do that enough. I mean, Monk does that a lot, and has been very successful at that. So, those well, small things, uh, but you know, I wouldn't throw him overboard here. I mean, for a team that doesn't play defense, to with the the two guys that do, he and uh, KZ, but yeah. you know, and they both, and ne- neither one affect the game offensively at all.
1: So let's roll through. We've we've kind of talked about Davion already. I want to I want to roll through at least the starting five for the Kings and get your your guys' opinions on them. We'll start with Fox. Uh, how do you guys feel like Fox has done in the first half of uh, first half of the season? You can give a grade, and then um, follow that up with uh, something that they can do to bump it up even higher if you want.
0: Well, I, I give Fox an A, and uh, probably the only thing I'd ask is that uh, you know he played defense a little better. I mean, we've seen signs of it being better, and I think it is, but I I guess my criticism of him would be, and I don't know if it's him or even the coaching staff, but he should be picking up before the mid-court line. I mean, you know, get up into guys, uh, and and really don't – he can make guys uncomfortable, and, and, you know, Davion does. He can with his quickness and length, and and like I say, we see it. We see – periodically but not consistently enough so that would be my my only real criticism i I think his numbers are his numbers are very good we see how good he is in the fourth quarter able to get his shot uh probably better than any king that they've ever had almost almost going back to tiny archibald or something you know i mean he's really good at that but uh needs to be you know, he should be a little more of an impact on the defensive side. You know, we're not just out there, but actually get more steals, you know, really, you know, it's, uh, just have a real impact. Uh, and without, it wouldn't take the way uh, coach Brown's playing him. He, he gives him pretty good breaks. So uh, anyway, that'd be my thought there, but he is having an all-star level year, whether he's an all-star or not, I don't know, but I, I think, uh, You know, I think the fans, I mean, a lot of people like myself who were, have been very critical of Fox, uh, it's time to be fair to Fox, (laughs) you know, I mean, I think he's made real strides.
2: I guess I'll be a tiny bit nitpicky and go a minus, even though he's do. I mean, for, for mostly for defensive reasons, which Jerry kind of laid out, I do think there are, things with his shot that were very encouraging earlier in the year, his three-point shot that have sort of tailed off and become kind of the same old sketchy shooter that he's been his whole career that you'd like to see get better if possible. One thing I love about Fox is he turned himself into a very good free throw shooter. Uh, 80% from the free throw line as a guy who gets the line a lot is a is a big, important, and, and good improvement for him. So I guess the, the A- minus here is mostly because I still think there's uh, room for him to get better. Um, I, I don't think he's ever played as good as he played for instance, like, like he was playing towards the end of last season. So there is one more gear here for Fox that he could hit. And if he does, that's awesome. If he doesn't, he's still having a, a very, very good year. His the best of his career for sure. If you're, if you're taking like the first half of a season for him, uh this is the best first half he's had that, that I could remember.
1: And what about, uh? we're going to move on to a uh, Damanis Sabonis now, Jerry, what do you feel? How do you feel about uh, Sabonis' first half of the season?
0: A plus probably, uh you know, I mean, Lead the league in rebounding. He's scoring not just eighteen points a game, but he's doing it, at getting about one point uh, seven points a shot, which is better than Michael Jordan did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so so if you got any, I mean, it's hard to complain about that. The damn guy's even making a high percentage of his threes. So uh, uh, you know, as as assist, I mean, he's he's the uh, best passing bigs. Next to Jokic in the league, uh, so there's that. So yeah, he's he, you know, he's clearly an all star, yeah. and uh, and and I and I think the thing, one of the reasons I love watching him play because he plays so hard. Yeah. I mean, his stamina is just remarkable. Uh, I think I, I don't know the Kings have never had a big like that, in no. the and I've watched him from the Kansas City days. I, I mean, really, that just simply. He's playing way above his actual ability, you know, whereas, you know, cousins or, 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 Weber were probably more talented, but they didn't play up nearly up to the ability in my opinion, like he does. So yeah. a plus, you know, for that guy and plays hurt, which in the days NBA is, uh, really he's kind of a freak, I guess nowadays, you know, if you actually play hurt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tony, what do you think about the freak? How do, how do you feel like he uh, he's he's performed in this first half?
2: I'll go ahead and give Sabonis an A+ plus from me. He's somehow and I didn't pull the numbers here, but I I know I looked at it earlier on in his process. He's been better since he got hurt. Like he just keeps going connected acted his game at all. His numbers are insane. He's shooting 41% from 3, which is crazy. It's only 1.2 attempts, but I mean, what else can this guy do for you? He's got defensive limitations that we've talked about, but unlike Fox, I feel like Uh, we know what Sabonis' ceiling is on defense, and you could argue that he's kind of hitting it, whereas Fox sort of has room to grow there. So Sabonis is doing, to me, everything you could possibly expect from a player and showing a bunch of leadership qualities too, which is something the team needs. And leading by example, like Jerry said, leading with toughness too. He gives the Kings uh, an edge, a, a guy that opposing teams don't want to have to bump up against for 40 minutes, which is something they haven't had since cousins, like that real physical presence that you've got to fight the entire time he's on the court. So uh, I I love what Sabonis has done this year. He's had a great first half. I just hope he remains healthy because every game I started counting this, I have every game he's getting hit in the face or knocked on the floor (laughs) or hurt in some type of new way. So I'm just crossing my fingers that he holds up for the rest of the year because he is together an all-star year. And it's one of unlike Fox, if, Sabonis doesn't make it. It's a legitimate sub and Kings fans should be very upset where Fox is right on the line. Maybe he'll make it. Maybe he won't, but Sabonis should be in there.
0: Yeah. Two, uh, two things too. I thought with Sabonis, you know, just listen to the broadcast and stuff. They always talk about how much he gets hit, which he does. Yeah. And uh, it's true what they don't talk about and, and which I like, I mean, he is hurting guys, Yeah, you know, I mean, he is kabonging yeah. guys. So, uh, you know, so it, you know, I mean, my goodness, you can, you can see guys what, you know, they don't like playing against him, you know, so, so that, and, and, and I don't know that I've ever seen a, I believe mean, certainly he would qualify as about the, as unselfish as any player, good player I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, to a fault at times, you know, he passes out where you probably ought to be looking for his own offense, but Yeah remarkable
2: half year
1: Tony I'm curious only because I don't have the numbers what are his hits in the face per 36 minutes versus his (laughs) hits people in the face (laughs) for 36 minutes
2: I will tell you at the end of the year I have to go back to the because I only started like two months in I want to go back and catch all the times he got hit in the face uh the first two months it's a lot it's will no exaggeration it's literally every game where he's like doing this like touching his eye checking for blood on his face it happens every night
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay so let's uh, let's move on now to uh to red velvet there how how do you guys feel uh, kevin Herter has played in the first half of the season i'd give him
0: you know i'd give him a b uh you know he his he is a little better than i thought he would be he's showing you a little more game uh, than i thought he had uh obviously a big time shot maker you know really uh, no fear uh he's got a little toughness to him, you know, his body, you know, can't always back it up, but, but I mean, there's no, he, he plays, he plays pretty tough. Uh, So, yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he, you know, he was a key guy on an Eastern conference finalist and and you see why, Uh, you know, I mean, he's part of the solution, not part of the problem.
1: And What are you looking for him to do better in the second half of the season, Jerry?
0: A defense, (laughs) you know, defense. I mean, I I really think that's it. I mean, he, he doesn't keep his man in front of him very well either, you know, he, and and I don't think it's a lack of effort, but it's necessarily, but it's a a lack of really understanding what's, this is the most important thing you can do is keep him out of the paint. You know, and I think with the wings, it's like, guys, if they want to move the ball around the edges, that's, that's fine. Just let him dribble around the edge, pass around the edge, but uh, straight ahead, you no, no, please, no.
2: <laughs> I'll go a little higher than Jerry Unherder. I have him at about like an A minus, B plus as well, just for my expectations. Like I, I, I like the move a lot when McNair made it. I thought it was a great trade. Now it looks like, uh, I don't know, one of the better trades the Kings have ever made to me. But you consider he's only twenty four years old, he's under contract for a while, um, at a very beyond fair slash bargain number. Uh, He is mostly just a three point shooter for this team on offense with some creation, but he's really their, their volume three point shooter. And I think he's playing that role as good as anyone in the league is like er most good teams have that one guy who is the shooter for your team. The Kings run plays for him. He, he delivers way more often than not when they need him to. So for what his role is, I can't imagine him doing much better than he is right now. So for, I'll give him an A- minus for that. And one random area for improvement is his free throw shooting. It's still just not at the level that I would think Kevin Herter could shoot from free throws. And he's only getting to line two times a game. But it is bizarre that he's only shooting like 73% from the free throw line when he is historically like an 80% free throw shooter, but also just a incredible shooter in general that you would think he could hit his free throws at a better rate than that.
1: Yeah, I guess I would judge Kevin Herter's first half of a season. You could base it solely just based on like how Atlanta Hawks fans see him now. <laughs> and like, Jerry, I don't know if you heard anything about this, but there's a subreddit. There's a website that uh, they're all Hawks fans and they've turned themselves into a Kings specific website specifically because of Kevin Herter and Kevin Herter's play. Like they're so upset with the way the Hawks have played that they've changed their name to like the Sacramento. I don't even remember what they called themselves, but like they are so on board. They're so annoyed by Kevin Herter being a Sacramento King. That they've changed themselves to a king's specific subreddit online because of how annoyed they've been with how good he's been since the trade. So I mean, I agree with you guys. He's had a fantastic season, and I can judge that solely based on the other fan base that had him is pissed he's not there anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean they're not as good without him, and I don't know if that's all of it, but but I mean it. it, I think probably has more, maybe more to do with their number one guy, Uh, but uh, (laughs) but 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 certainly they're not as good and that's a fact
1: yeah absolutely right on that one okay so we're going to get to our uh to our uh our vet for this team uh harrison barnes how do you guys feel about harrison Barnes' uh first half of the season
0: i would give him a b uh you know i would have probably given him a c minus or d early (laughs) you know (laughs) but uh you know when you look at the the stats and and you know, how, how he certainly, how he's playing the velate I mean, he's been Harrison Barnes, uh, you know, guy you can count on gives. He, he's never going to be, you know, uh, an all-star type guy, but he's a really good player. I was hoping that the Kings would be good enough to where he'd be the maybe fifth best player, but he's too, he's been too good for, to say that because he just, he's simply, certainly better than, Keegan and probably more valuable really than Herter or monk at this stage I, I think I don't know that he's as good as potentially as either one uh, but so I'd give him a solid B uh, he's a solid player
1: Tony what about you how do you feel about a Harrison Barnes coming into the the second half of the season now
2: I think he's trending in the right direction I'd still give him C. That may be a harsh grade, but the three point shooting hasn't been there, which is really strange for him because he has been a very good three point shooter for for a long time and a very good three point shooter here. Uh, Maybe I'm grading him a little harshly because I don't think he's the Kings need more from a defender in the paint. And if it's not going to be Sabonis, it's also not going to be Harrison Barnes, which is kind of unfair to Barnes, I guess. And it's not going to be Keegan Murray. So. And Sabonis isn't going anywhere. So you need better defense from one of those front court players. Um, And Harrison Barnes probably just isn't capable of providing the Kings what they need there. So the fit at times hasn't been my favorite thing in the world. The three-point shooting hasn't always been there. I do think he is still playing an important role though, and making important buckets. He's getting to the free throw line a ton. So it hasn't all been bad. I'm not all negative on it, but I just, you know, he's one player. If you talk about guys who could be better in the second half, I think Harrison Barnes would be maybe at the top of my list as far as uh, just being a, a more complete, better player in the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible to me as somebody who's a, a skeptic and generally a, a Kings uh, curmudgeon about certain things that the Kings are playing as well as they are. And like guys like Harrison Barnes, who I'm probably one of the more skeptical people about Harrison Barnes since he's come over. I've had to like begrudgingly be like, okay, yeah, don't trade Harrison Barnes, and like, yeah, okay, Harrison Barnes had yeah. a good game. Harrison Barnes scored thirty mm-hmm. last night, and I had to uncross my arms and cheer for him a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> and like, that's a difficult thing for me to do at times. And he's done a very good job more this season than seasons past. The first maybe ten games of the season, it was like, I I was off. Uh, I was never on the train, but I had left the, the Harrison Barnes station. I was walking away from Harrison Barnes County, headed towards someplace else. And he's he's done enough in 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 the the remaining games for me to be like okay keep the guy keep the guy if you really need to keep him and i'm uh, that 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 to me is enough to be like all right he's done a fairly good job i'll give him a b just based solely on the fact that like he's made me a bit of a harrison barnes believer even with being harrison barnes and disappearing certain games and you know disappearing you know on, on the defensive end more often than not he's he's done his job and i appreciate him and I'm going to shut up about Harrison Barnes because that's all I can say that's nice about him. (laughs) No, I like Harrison Barnes. He's like a nice guy. (laughs) uh... Yeah, well, he is. He's obviously
0: a, a real classy pro, but I do think one thing that hurts Harrison is just it's not how he plays all the time. It's how he looks like he's playing. You know, he's one of those guys that doesn't make a big deal and, you know, phony emotionalism and this, that, and the other. Uh, you know, and you can't tell whether he's getting thirty or or ten, and I mean, and and I, you know, I don't know that that's a weakness, but I think with some fans, we we're accustomed to somebody pound their chest and look into the sky or something, you know, and, and that's not that's not who he
1: is. Yeah, he he's he's a nice vet to have on this team. Uh, I wish he was the fifth best guy. He's probably the three point five best guy on this team, but I'm glad he's on this team. So, okay, we're going to roll over to uh, to the to the rookie. You can grade him as a rookie. You can grade him as a starting member on a playoff caliber team. You guys grade him however you want to. How do you guys feel like Keegan Murray has done in the first half of the season?
0: Well, as a rookie, I would probably give him a B. As a, as a veteran or not a, as a just play, I'd give him a C-minus. But uh, there's a, he just isn't isn't doing enough. I mean he he's he's established that he can really make the three three ball. Okay, uh, he's he's getting better at actually with instinctual defense. He, you know, I, I like a few things he does there. You know, he he actually kind of anticipates some passes occasionally. Now we see he'll block a shot. Uh, you you see some things, but but not near enough. Uh, he, he, you know, he can go. I mean, so-called power forward. He can go twenty-five minutes and get zero rebounds, and that's to, or or one. And uh, I mean, I I do understand that Sabonis is kind of a vacuum in there, and, and that makes it a little tougher. But he's got to do better rebounding. Uh, Willie, uh, my sense is, and I'll just say this: he he's not a power forward. He may be someday. He's a small forward. And, and at some point, that will be going forward as they try to build this team. Uh, you know whether you keep Harrison Barnes or not, that will be that will be, Her- that will be uh, Keegan's position. And uh, and then you you know if you could keep Harrison as a backup three four, uh, you'd you'd be you know you might got to have a chance to to be better. But that's my opinion. I mean, I think in, in a couple of years. He'll be he can be much better than than Harrison, sure. but but so anyway I, I'm, I'm I like I like how he plays. He's obviously a good kid. Should he have been drafted where he was? I don't know why not. Is he the the you know? Is he going to be the fourth best guy overall? <clears throat> I don't know, but he's going to be near that, yeah. and and he fits well with. The you know, Fox and Sabonis. And that's very important too.
2: On the rookie scale, I'll give him a a C plus. Uh, Jerry said it is shooting is legit, which is important for this team. Uh, Fox and Sabonis to have your fifth starter be a 40% three-point shooter is pretty good. Like that's a, that's a pretty good offensive contribution. He's doing nothing one-on-one he's like, so he's not, we're not really seeing a lot of his other scoring skills. It's really all shooting and the occasional cut, Uh and dunk or something like that. But this just we're not seeing a lot of offensive skill from him outside of the shot. Defense has been up and down. And like Jerry said, the rebounding is is pretty bad on a lot of nights. He's got two two games in the last five with just zero rebounds, playing 30 minutes a night, which almost seems impossible to get no rebounds when you're playing playing that many minutes. I don't honestly don't even know why that's happening. It's such a bizarre number for a, a forward to have zero rebounds in that amount of minutes. So He's got to get better in, in plenty of areas. And unlike some rookies the Kings have had, I, I have some amount of faith that Keegan Murray will get better at a lot of those areas. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic, even though C plus is maybe not the the grade we would have hoped to give him at this stage of the season, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with Keegan overall, I would say.
1: Okay. Now we're going to group this one all into one. You guys can point out specific people. If you want to, you guys can grade them as a group. I, I you're adults. I, I'll let you pick. Uh, how do you feel like the bench, uh, uh, as a as a whole or individuals has done this uh, in the first half of the season and what do you feel like they need to step up and do in the second half of the season to bump third grade up?
0: Well, you know, I've kind of been on record on different places of saying there's three things the Kings have to do every night to win and that is make threes at a re, at, at a winning percentage, uh, have a, a two better than a two-to-one assist to turnover ratio and the bench to outperform the other team's bench and a lot of nights early, the bench was better than the other team's bench. Lately, it hasn't been. And uh, so, so I guess my criticism would be get back to being better what you were. Now, you know, a lot of that is Monk, uh, you know, because he just kind of made the bench mob a little better. And he hasn't been as good. And then, of course, uh, just no idea of who's going to be the backup center and and whether i mean metu might be the best choice and, and that's you know whatever but uh, but so yeah i'm i'd say i was i'd have given the bench a, an a after the first 20 games and I, i'm probably gonna give them a b minus right
1: now tony how do you feel like the bench has done in this first half
2: I'll give them a C plus. Uh, I think there's three players on this bench that we know are going to play every night. Uh, Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, and Trey Lyles to me are the three guys that kind of set themselves apart as being consistent rotation guys. And then everyone else in that bench unit, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how Mike Brown can can figure out who's going to contribute on one night to the next. He, we just went off a run where Rashawn Holmes finally got playing time again, and he was very bad. Uh, which is super disappointing. Metu um, plays against Orlando and looks good. So maybe he's the answer there. Uh, we already talked about Davion Mitchell. So there's room for improvement, um, but there's just a lot of inconsistency from the the bench right now. And that's it's, if you can't rely on that, it's hard to feel super good about it because on any given night, they could be good or bad. And that's not a, a comfortable place to be. So C plus for now, but I think if, if Monty McNair will address anything at the deadline, it will be some bench pieces. So I, I still like enough of that group where you get a piece in or two and you might fix the holes. It's, it's not like a, it's not a huge problem that can't be fixed with some minor moves at the deadline. I think.
0: I, I sure agree with that, Tony. I, I mean, I really like the idea to me. I kind of wish Trey Lyles would get more consistent minutes and maybe at the, at the five as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I just think, you know, not that, you know it to me he's just a better basketball player than metu you know and he's more physical and so and he can well anyway i, I just think it you know when you don't really have what you need uh, you you know whatever strengths you have with bench players try to figure out how to get the ones that can help you a little more time and so that's kind of where i'd see that
1: Gary, yeah, I'm curious. This, this is a sidetrack just slightly, but it's been on my mind for a little bit. The Kings have Alex Lynn sitting there. They started him for a single game going up against Nikola Jokic, and then he's kind of just disappeared again. He's averaging four minutes a game in the, in the ten games he's played, basically. Why do you think the Kings don't – at least they've tried everybody else at center uh, coming off the bench. Why haven't they used Alex Lynn? Why haven't they utilized Alex Lynn in a couple of those opportunities?
0: Well, I really don't have the answer for that. I mean, I I would have said at the start of the year that he might be the best choice for backup center because of his length and ability to do some things around defensively that uh, Sabonis can't. And he can still kind of make a deep, he can make a shot out on the floor as well as a pretty good ball mover and screener. So it would seem to be you know, maybe, and, and, you know, if you watched his career, we're not talking about stuff he hadn't done, Uh, you know, but it just seemed like that he was never in the picture at the start of the year. And it's pretty, it's going to be pretty hard to get him in the picture now, I think. So, you know, I mean, it's the bottom line is about two and Lyles and, and Lynn and Rashawn, you know, it's, you got four guys and none of them fit exactly what you want. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and that's what I, I I can feel for Mike Brown. You know, he, you know, people say, well, I don't need to do this one. Well, well, I don't know. I mean, he, he's, he's searching. That's the bottom line. He doesn't, he, he's not comfortable with any of them. And I get that, but that's kind of why I say I would go with Lyle's because I think he, he kind of, he to me he's got the best chance of being a 15 20 minute guy that's 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 all i got there. I, mean, I, can't, I can't i can't give you a good reason other than that's what i
1: think okay so you it, we're 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 gonna head more into a, a not necessarily a single person but uh i'm curious at what you guys think uh how the coaching has been in the first half of the season so far this year
0: well, I, I think the coaching has, has been outstanding. I mean, I am disappointed in the defense because that was what Mike Brown was brought in to do. And, you know, especially when we saw the improvement early sure. and how it slipped, slipped late. So, you know, so I, I'd, I'd, probably give him a B plus right now as opposed to an A plus, which I would have, you know, 20 games ago, but I think it's all on defense. But then again, you know, I, I mean, the guy's had the experience. He knows what the, he knows the team isn't playing good defense. And that's it. Hopefully he and his staff could figure out a way to, you know, make it a little better.
2: I'm very happy with Mike Brown. I'd probably give him a B plus two mostly for the defense, but I think the, you know, outside of the on-court stuff, I don't, and Jerry can maybe speak to this better than than we can. I don't know how much a coach has to do with setting a tone and a culture, but this is the best the Kings have had in those terms in, I don't know, 16 years, just the buy-in, the playing hard every night. I like We haven't really questioned effort at all with this team. And I can't remember the last time there was a Kings team where we weren't doing some of that questioning um, on the podcast or on Twitter or anywhere else. So uh, the culture building parts of what Mike Brown and his staff have brought to this team, I would give that aspect an A+. And that was such a huge component. The Kings needed to get right with this hire. And Mike Brown seems to be the the right guy. Uh, for the right job on the right team so i'm very happy with him defense is the only concern but overall mike brown has had a really really good season
0: you know and and really to to his um his pluses i think he's great with the media uh yes. press conferences I, I think he's terrific you know him he may be the you know the best kings have ever had you know in that regard uh you know, because Rick Allen was wasn't he wasn't any good at all. <laughs> he'd, he'd rather take him uh, somebody jab him in the eye before you do a press conference. But uh, but uh, you know, but coaching's coaching. But this guy, I think, does check a lot of boxes, and, and I think ultimately uh, to whether he can get back to being an A plus, like I think I'm hoping he can improve the defense the second half of the year.
1: All right, our last Kings related question. Um, How do you guys feel management has done in the first half of the season, and what do you think they need to improve on uh, in the second half of the season to bump their grade up a little bit?
0: Well, I mean, if we're talking about Monty and his staff, uh, I'd I'd give them an A, a solid A at least, uh, because I think certainly going back to what I said earlier, I didn't think this team would be playing at a 42-3, 44-win pace uh and so they've overachieved from what i thought uh his pickups obviously his draft pick uh is good you know we'd like for him to do more but i think most of us are happy with him herder and monk excellent pickups uh you know and of course going back to you know trade last year to bring in Sabonis, that's worked very well Uh, certainly before anybody screams at me, yes, Halliburton's terrific, and and, and I I like him, and yeah, I think he's going to be a several time All Star in Indiana. But this team is better with the guy they got, I think, okay. and and Indiana's better with the guy they got. <laughs> so so there's that. But anyway, I, yeah, I think Monty has done an outstanding job. I also I, I like where, you know, there's not a lot of rumors floating around. True. Uh, about what Sacramento's doing, and that shows he's he's running a tight ship. And I always uh, I learned from Jeff Petrie about that. Uh, you know, you keep things in hand. doesn't mean they won't get out, but just not from you. And I think uh, McNair has proven uh, when you hear rumors about the Kings, it ha- is not coming from him.
2: Yeah, we've done a lot, or at least I'll speak for myself, a lot of criticizing of McNair for years, and I will give him his flowers now. Uh, he's had a great dating back to the last year's trade deadline to now. The turnaround has been almost miraculous. Like I, like we've said it all year. None of, no one expected them to be this good. They still have a second half of the season to finish up, so we'll see how it closes. But to this point, McNair has pushed so many of the right buttons, and we just talked about Mike Brown. That's maybe the biggest one too, is just hiring the right coach um, when there was a lot of candidates, some candidates that seemed a lot worse than Mike Brown and, and landing on that guy and, and having seen the impact he's bringing, the Herder trade, the Sabonis trade, Keegan Murray, whether he was the right pick or not for that spot or whether he's going to be the best player at that spot, he's a perfect fit for what they have here. Uh, Monk was a great move. I guess not signing DiVincenzo was the right move, too, if you consider who they got. They got Monk instead, which is an upgrade to me and a, and a better fit there, too. So Monte McNair has, hit a, has a, on a nice run of really, really good moves. And, uh, and he's got another few big ones probably to make in the next month before the deadline. But so far with McNair this year, it's been it's been very good.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was one of those things that uh, I mentioned in the offseason that I felt like the Kings needed to hit a home run with the coaching, a home run in in their trades, a home run in the draft, and a home run in free agency in order to just sniff the playoffs. And I, I think the way I said it was like, oh, everything was kind of like a double this offseason. And like suddenly, suddenly, like Mike Brown is a home run. He, he There might have been a man on base on top of it. And, and, and I think that, you know, the Kevin Herter trade has turned out better than what I expected. Malik Monk has been better than what I expected. And like, there might be a couple of home runs and a few triples in there, if not home runs themselves. And I'm, I'm happy to eat a little bit of crow about it too. I mean, I'll always root for the Kings. It'll be one of those things that I'm, I'm happy to look stupid because I'm a Kings fan and they've made me look stupid plenty of times in my life. Uh, Just the opposite reason, you know, not usually, (laughs) mostly because I'm too positive instead of too negative. But uh, McNair's one of those people who just in, in you know I had to completely rethink Operation McNair, our donation drive mm-hmm. in the off season, just because I went uh, these guys might be sniffing a playoff spot, and 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 that's enough for me to be like, yeah, okay, Monty, you, you did a great job. Huh? I'm sure he's expecting in writing at some point or another something from Tim something from Richard Ivanowski. I'm sure he'd he'd love to to, to read uh, some apology letters from all of us, and he might just get that in the offseason this year if the Kings make the playoffs. But uh, that management group's done a very, very good job, and I'm, I'm happy to be rooting for a, a Kings team that makes me look dumb, and this time in a positive direction, not in a negative one. Okay. Well, so- I,
0: I'm an expert in that. I'm an expert <laughs> in the Kings. <laughs> making me look dumb and the fact is uh, I did some of it on my own so I can't blame them for everything
1: Jerry they paid you for that privilege though I did it for free yeah they did that was a good
0: part of it you know being dumb and getting paid you know Uh,
1: okay so uh, now we're going to roll through um, the NBA released uh, their mid-season uh, media report. It's a media survey where they basically ask questions to, to a media member from each, uh, from each uh, team in the league, um, uh, quiz them on all, all sorts of stuff, uh, made, had them make predictions and everything else like that. So I want to get your, uh, your guys' thoughts on a couple of these questions before, uh, before we run onto the commercial break. All right. So first question and I've got all the answers or I've got all the the uh, the percentages here of what everybody voted. So I, I won't be taking place. I don't want to cheat here. So gentlemen, I'll ask you guys, uh, in your opinion, uh, which team in the NBA is poised to make a big second half run?
0: Well, probably the Warriors, in my opinion. Uh, you know, obviously they're a 500 team, and I think uh, they're better than that. And uh, so I, I would say they're definitely a team that, that would and should Make a make a big run. I'd like, to, I mean, you, you could also say the same about the Suns, but uh, you know, but I think they're a little more disjointed. But then again, you know, Booker comes back and all of a sudden a lot of their offensive problems are solved. Right. <laughs> so those are two teams that clearly are are not playing at the level that they're capable of and have proven to be capable of. So off off the top of my head, that'd be be probably the two that I see the most
2: I'd take the Suns here too but since Jerry took them I'll kind of and this is weird I don't even really believe in this team I just I do think the Hawks are better than they're playing so I don't know how mm-hmm. much higher they're going to get but they that should to me be a playoff team and right now they're fighting for a play-in spot and I just think they got too much talent on that roster to to not be better than that at some point
1: so, so just to read off here, just to give somebody some con- or some of these listeners a context, uh, Golden State was uh, was forty three percent of their answers, and uh, the yeah. Suns was Suns were not on, uh, they were not listed at all, which uh, which su- which surprised me, Jerry, because when I read that question, I thought, oh, the Suns will be one of those teams. Yeah. Okay. So let's see here. Um, let me scroll. Uh, what has been the most surprising storyline of the season for you guys?
0: Well, I, I it might be to me just the, the the drama of the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I mean, it's uh, they started off being totally disjointed, and whether it's Kyrie stuff or whatever, and and really up till just the other day when Durant gets hurt, they're the best team in the league. <laughs> they were playing, you know, they had the Simmons drama, the Kyrie drama, the uh, just just everything going on there. And you just said, well, you know, they're not going to get it together and them, if they didn't. And uh, so, so to me, it's uh, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, it's like a definitely a, 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 a a mid afternoon drama, you know, for the, you know, Days of of our (laughs) Nets. Days of our Nets, yeah.
1: that's it. Tony, what about you? Who do you feel like has been the most surprising storyline of the season?
2: I'm playing playing the home team. I'm going to go with the Kings. When you go from 16 years out of the playoffs to one game back from hosting a playoff series, that's a crazy improvement. And uh, yes, we are a Kings podcast, so there's a homer aspect to that. But I'm seeing that in the national media, too. People excited about the Kings, surprised about the Kings, talking about the Kings. Kevin Herter was just on, uh, I think it was the low post this week. So they're getting the attention that they deserve. And to me, that's a surprise. Um, I didn't think they'd be this good this soon, this early.
1: You guys nailed one and two on that one. Brooklyn's bounce back was uh, was 20%, the high point of that. And uh, Sacramento's ascension was 17%. So you guys are ringers. You guys are good at this. More. Damn. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay, uh, based on what you've seen so far, which team made the best overall personnel moves this last summer? Hmm Well,
0: I kind of think uh, gosh, it, that's a tough one because uh, until it's all all done, but I, I like what Cleveland did. Uh, you know, obviously gave up a lot to get Donovan Mitchell, but he gives them a lot. You know, when you score 71, that's pretty good. Uh, but, but I mean, I don't, you know, and I think he's made them better. Whether they're, you know, if they can get healthy, they, they could be a threat in these. So, I, I like, I sure like what they did. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other teams moves, you know, other than this going into this season that uh, shocks me one way or another. And I can't say. Yeah. Um I mean probably Portland getting uh grants a good another good one uh has certainly been been a big help and and then the third I would just throw out there is New York getting Brunson because he's been a terrific addition which I'm not surprised I, I think Dallas really screwed the pooch on that one.
2: Uh I think I mean I I think Boston did some good minor things they're also just a very good team. Uh kings i would mention the kings again and i would say uh, i was kind of thinking of the reverse of this question or who made like the worst moves of the year and i would definitely go with the timberwolves there so kind of the reverse of that is utah the yes they lost mitchell and they traded gobert but the return they got to still be a pretty decent basketball team is 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 uh i don't know that's some danny ainge wizardry right there
0: well i tell you what i, I just want to say to you Laurie Marketing, there again. It's why you need to have patience. For those of you that, that all of us that want to see more from Keegan Murray, uh, Laurie, you know, as a rookie in Chicago, you know, kind of a big soft uh, jump shooter, got better, you know, a couple of years and they did, you know, that sort of thing. And that damn guy is a huge, I mean, he is terrific. Yeah. That's a major star in the making, you know, uh, Dirk Nowitzki that can actually play off the dribble better. I mean, I don't know he's gonna be dirt, but but I'm just saying that that they gotta, like you say, Dan, they got a major star to build around.
1: Yeah. Danny Ainge was one of those people that he he's become more of a joke in recent years almost with the Celtics those last couple of years, where it's like, oh, he yeah. almost made a move, oh, he almost made a move and oh he almost traded for this and almost traded for that. That like it, it, when when he pulled off a couple of those moves in Utah, I was like, All right, well, they're resetting. Good for Danny Ainge finally making a trade. And now nobody's laughing at Danny Ange anymore right now. Like, like that, that, that meme has kind of died pretty quick because they're, they're a really good young team and they have a million draft picks to go along with it. So good. good for yeah. Danny
0: yeah. You know, and even selecting the coach, I was really surprised yeah. and said, you know, I don't know. And then I should have known because Danny knows him and, and yeah, they, he looks like a terrific young coach and, yeah, a lot of things going right in Utah. I know they've started to lose some games, but uh, I, I still say they're definitely on the right track with what they've done. And I agree with Tony totally—the Minnesota thing. I just don't think they are. Uh, you know, I mean, they're playing better now, but part of it, Carl Anthony Towns is out. So when he comes back, uh, I don't know. We'll see.
1: Well, you guys, uh, you guys called one and two again. Cleveland was number one at sixty-seven percent. Utah number two at ten percent. So. You're killing it. Um, Which rookie was the biggest steal related to where he was selected in the 2022 draft?
0: Well, for me, it's Mathren at Indiana. Now that it was a high pick six, but if that was over, he'd be a top three pick. I think, I mean, he's, Mm -hmm. he's uh, right now. I, 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 I mean, other than Banchero, I think he's the best rookie in the league.
2: Yeah. I was going to go with Mather too. Uh, he seems to be a, a really good fit there and he, a lot like Keegan only, I guess better. He just, he's crushed every test they put in front of him, He he's was awesome in summer league. He's playing well now. Um, and I think what was he sixth overall? Yeah, so, That's uh that's probably pretty good value for where he went.
0: You know, it is one of those things I'll be interested because they, they would like to move buddy and they should, you know, he yeah. needs to, to have a bigger role, uh, and I the, the only question I think I know some people uh, you know uh, there involved in and they do have some uh, you know some concerns about his uh I, I don't know how you say selfishness or or you know <laughs> yeah. he's got his own gig going maybe to a fault and so so you that. know as opposed to where you know obviously kegan they're in a selfish bone in his body Uh so we'll, we'll see, you know, I mean, but I, I, you know, you got to love his talent that that's what we're talking about.
1: He definitely has a little like a Ben Gordon energy to me, where it's just like you get, you get him in the game. He's going to start taking some shots as soon as he, that ball is touching his hand, that leather's headed towards the net. Um, so, so uh, according to, uh, according to the media survey, Number one this time was uh, Andrew Nemhard with uh, Indiana, who was sure. the 31st pick, which who's, he's, yeah. he's playing great as a rookie. Playing great, yeah. And two was uh, Walker Kessler in Utah, who's, who's yeah. also playing fantastic over there in Utah for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. For where they were taken, those are real steals. There's no doubt about that.
1: Okay, one of the questions here that they ask is, uh, who has been the best point guard this season?
0: Hmm. Well, I'm – I mean, I really think it might be Halliburton, uh, you know, I I mean, it's, uh, it's a half a year, but, uh, his assist turnover ratio is terrific teams winning, you know, uh, his, his stats are good right across the board. And like I say, on a winning team, a young and a fairly young team. So I, I mean, you know, Lillard when he's playing, uh, still terrific. Uh, you know, you got some other, I mean, Garland has been, had a terrific year as well, you know, kind of, he's always been good, but I think he's t- stepped it up a notch. Uh, Brunson, yep. you know, I, but yeah, I, I, I'll stay with Halliburton.
2: Yeah. As far as traditional point guards go, I think of Halliburton because he's the, I don't know. He's the, he's the kind of point guard that I'm used to, but the NBA is so weird now that, I mean, Luca is basically a point guard. I mean, Jokic is basically a, a, a point guard at times. As weird as that is to to say, Sabonis ha, ha, plays that role for the Kings at times. So there's a lot of a lot of guys who could make claim as I guess the best the best table setter for their offense. If that's what we want to call the point guard, but traditional pure point guard wise, um, Halliburton has been obviously very good.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with Luca. You know, he's yeah. clearly a truly great player, but I I, I see him. Moore is a scorer who can make plays, and he does. You know, I, Somebody's asked me on a, another podcast other, some time ago, You know, if there's anybody that he reminds me of, and I say, the only one I can come honestly, and this will show you how old I am, it's Oscar Robertson. Uh, well, yeah. Now, you know, how Oscar totally controlled the game, and he got the same criticisms. He's got the ball too much. He controls everything, but Oscar played with nobody. And, and dominate you know, and of course, in that though, you didn't, it was just the opposite. Instead of uh, looking for three point shots, Oscar was like, I'll, I'll get to eight foot if that's the shot I want, you know, but he totally, I mean, it was a ball dominant thing at a high pro, productive rate. And, uh, you know, and I, I think Luca, that's about the highest praise I can give him, but I, I think he's. You know that would be a fair compare, or reasonably fair comparison. I don't think there is in, in the game today.
1: I asked that one specifically only because Luka Doncic was number one at eighty percent of the vote. He was considered a point guard. He was also like uh, third in the voting at small forward as well, which is kind of funny because I, okay, but uh, Halliburton Burton was number four at three percent. The other two in between were Curry and Morant. Sure. Well, you know the
0: the other thing there, and and yeah. In, and Morant's obviously, obviously good, but you know, it's like LeBron. I mean, that's what he is, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they nobody ever said. Oh, he's not a point. Of course he is. He has the ball all the damn time. I, I, I don't know why he isn't. Uh, and he's good in, in years past. He was even way better, even better than he is now. He, As far as creating shots for others, but anyway, so yeah, it's just kind of how you look at it, Tony. It's right. As a, I was thinking more of a pure playmaker, Chris Paul type, John Stockton type. That's my idea of a point guard and Magic Johnson. But in today's game, it's right. I mean, you could call Steph Curry one. I, I don't, I mean, he, he can do it, but that's, I don't know that his, his main role is playmaking.
1: I, I I will say all three of us are old fogies then because when I read that question I had a bunch of point guards in my head and Luke I always just oh he's a small forward who can distribute the ball I don't see him as a point guard necessarily so we're all old and uh all the media yeah. are young I guess
0: yep yep they're wrong yeah
1: <laughs> so who is the best international player in the league Woo.
0: that's that's really the tough one yeah. uh I mean, I've always said, and I still think, that Giannis Adelokounmpo is the best player in the NBA. Yep. And so I'd have to go there. I mean, Jokic can do more. He's more skilled, but he's also not near the defender. And, uh, and uh, Giannis led a team to a championship, not a particularly talented team to a championship. And so I'll, I'll still go with Giannis, I think, because uh, I, I still think if you start a franchise – uh, 30 general managers would pick him as their first guy. I really believe that. You know, I mean, so, I mean, and, and Jokic, Embiid, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> right now, probably most of the top level players, Docic, you know, are, I mean, uh, American born players are kind of secondary now among the elites.
2: Uh, yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Jerry. I think, you know, I, I would put, well, if you can give me, if Giannis is an option for any basketball question, that's what I'm taking. So I'll take Giannis first, but between Giannis, uh, Jokic and Luka, I, I don't know that that might be the three best players in the league and they're all international guys. And I get, I, I guess you probably throw Durant in there as like the top four and maybe I'm forgetting someone, but it is pretty cool. And also wild that three, th- those three super dominant players all just happen to be international players
1: yeah you uh you guys you guys nailed all three it's uh they they voted jokic jokic as number 1 which i think they're wrong on that one. i think certainly antetokounmpo uh giannis is number 2 and luca was number 3 and they split that vote pretty evenly it was 38 34 and 28%
0: yeah that, yeah that's the way it should be i mean I, I get that i mean it's too close to call you know you're just you're you're just judging greatness a different love and and, and all three play so different
1: 100%. yeah Okay, so let's see here. We've got a, uh, we've got one more here that I'll ask out of this very long survey. If anyone wants to look it up, there's plenty of questions you can go through. Okay, our last one uh, is: uh, Who is the most underrated underrated player in the league? Well,
0: I can think of give you. I give you a, a couple off the top of my head here. Yon, uh, Demona Sabonis is one.
2: That's a good one. Yep.
0: I mean, uh, he, he doesn't. People don't really understand how good he is uh, around the league. Uh, and then Shea Gilgus Alexander. I know he's on a bad, you know, I think that guy is moving into the upper echelon.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, He can, he can go get 30 on you every night. Yep. And uh, they, they're just a couple of pieces away from being pretty darn scary.
2: Yes, they are. Yeah, That's a really good one. I don't know who's, who's underrated right now. It's hard. me to think of a a name sabonis is is a perfect perfect name for that because he i feel like historically he hasn't he didn't get his credit really in indiana a ton either um i don't know maybe 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 marketing just for what he's been able to do in utah and Mm -hmm. he's only had one year on the stage where he's really shown that he is this guy but he probably should be in the all-star conversation and i would imagine he doesn't come close to it but maybe i'll be proven wrong on that but he's he's been nearly as good as any other any other big man in the league so far
1: yeah i i i would have i would have definitely said marketing on that one uh, sabonis was tied for third with uh, with brooke lopez uh Gildress alexander was uh second and uh the number one i don't know why it slightly perturbs me here but the number one most underrated player in the league was voted tyrese halliburton who I feel like has gotten all the love in the world. We're getting, oh, Tyrese Halliburton is an all-star. We have, you know, Wally Zerbiak, who was a a Knicks guy, talking crap about Tyrese Halliburton not being an all-star because of all the all-star hype around Tyrese Halliburton. But Halliburton was voted the most underrated player in the NBA this season.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I think he's got tremendous, and he deserves it. I mean, he deserves it, but he's not been underrated. He's been rated very highly. Yes. And, uh, and and uh, I think, uh, you know, well, anyway, you know, it's, it is amazing about those kind of things of players that are underrated or overrated, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I mean, there's so many guys that probably, you know, you could say deserve a little more attention, for this or that. And so, I don't know. I mean, it's like me, a guy that I, I really think is really good is Darius Garland. Uh, you know, he didn't play particularly well against the Kings. So, so much, but I've watched him a lot. I mean, he is really good. And, you know, and you know, when you start talking about best points in the league, uh, his name needs to be
1: mentioned. It, it, it's funny, Jerry, I just saw an article about like the top hundred players in the NBA, I think is what it was. It was published this week uh Halliburton was 20th and I think Sabonis was 27th and like Fox was like 30 but like Halliburton was seven eight spots above Sabonis in that regard and to be considered a top 20 player in the league I feel like you're pretty highly rated if you're a top 20 player in the league written by any any national media you're pretty well rated at that point yeah good point okay so we're gonna we're gonna cut to a commercial break and we will be right back Sacramento Electric Supply
0: now has stock on new and exciting Klein Tools products. From the Power Hub 1 to the KTB-500 portable power station, Sacramento Electronics has all your job site power needs. Stop by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., or visit them online. 24-7 at
1: www.sakelec.com. Okay, we are back. Tony, we're going to roll over to you for the Patreon question of the day. Why don't you go ahead and hit us, hit
2: us with it? Thanks, Will. Um, on every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our Kings Herald patrons. You can submit questions at patreon.com slash Herald or on Twitter or on the website. And we will ask it to uh, Jerry, Will, and myself. Um, if your question isn't going to on the podcast, we do record a Patreon-exclusive Q&A once a month where we ask all the leftover questions. So keep submitting. If you don't hear yours, you will hear at least on the Patreon show. Uh, this week's question, um, something that I was talking about today, so I'm just curious what Jerry's take on it is and will. And I wanted to ask it, so I picked this one out. This comes from Tall Skinny Ben. And uh, there were some rumors this uh, uh, today, and it's been going on for a while, Jerry, maybe you heard them, but Tall Skinny Ben asks, should the Kings go after Cam Reddish? I don't think it would cost much, but it's better. It's a better option than Terrence Davis. Uh, Jerry, there were rumors today that uh, Cam Reddish can be had for two second round picks. That's the price the Knicks are charging right now. Rumor. So who knows? Uh, Are you interested in Cam Reddish at all?
0: Well, I'm interested. I think there's some talent there. He's been a, hasn't fit where he's been the last couple of teams. So Mm -hmm. that has to, has, should concern you a little bit. Uh, And then if it's two second round picks, I think that'd be a pretty, pretty good, pretty good option to take if that's the case, you Mm -hmm. know, and especially if it could be, you know, one second round pick down the road, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I think there's a chance that a guy like that could help this team. But, uh, and as to the questioner, uh, yeah, I think he's a better option than Terrence Davis. Although, having said that, he might not be able to, he might not be better, but, yeah, he but might not. <laughs> there's a chance he wouldn't. He hadn't played better this year necessarily. So, uh, but I think with his use and size and length, uh, you know, it might be something the Kings could use. And certainly that price is.
2: It's, it's nothing. Will, do you have any strong positions on Cam Reddish or the price it seems to to cost to get him right now?
1: Yeah, I think we were all pretty upset when uh, when the Knicks got Cam Reddish last season for seemingly like I think it was like Solomon Hill and a protected first round pick, and they got they sent away Kevin. Not- like it was just a bunch of trash for trash plus Cam Reddish, and we were all kind of like, "This is the move Monty McNair should be making." It cost almost nothing to get him, and then. Tom Thibodeau has done nothing with Cam Reddish in the time since then, or Cam Cam Reddish has not earned Tom Thibodeau's respect in that time, even though that was something that we all kind of expected. If it costs two second round picks and that's the asking price, like if that's the leaked price, I assume you could probably get them for a really nice second round pick, like a single one. Um, the Kings have, I think they have multiple second round picks over the next couple of years. And so sure. Take a, take a flyer. I mean, if you have a 53rd pick somewhere down the road, or if you have some championship contenders, second round pick throw a couple of them that way. I mean, maybe not this year, but maybe the next couple of years toss a second round pick that, you know, is not going to be worth anything at them and, and take a flyer on them. I, I have no problem with it. I mean, I don't think a, a guy of his caliber can really ruin chemistry at this point. I mean, the Kings are pretty set in their core and you're just kind of taking a swing at a fence for a guy who could wiggle his way into that core of players, but yeah, he's, he's obviously not done much in New York. He hadn't done much in Atlanta, even though he's a very talented person. So sure. Take a swing at him. See what happens.
2: Yeah. That's how I feel too. I don't know if Cam Reddish is good. I know I like the idea of a six, eight forward who is 23 years old at the cost of two second round picks. And that's all I can really say. I I have no idea if he's a good player or not. I like what I like his like raw (laughs) measurables and uh, I don't know. I mean, Kevin Herter played with him in Atlanta, so maybe he has some insight there too on whether this guy is good from a chemistry fit or or things like that. So hopefully there'd be no issues there. But I, I do like that cost, and I think he's an interesting young player. And I guess we'll see what team tries him next, because it clearly didn't work in New York.
0: Yeah, you know, the, the one thing on him in Atlanta, as I understood it, and I could be wrong, uh, but it wasn't that they didn't think he could play because he played at at times played extremely well, but they just had too many guys, you know, they had too many guys that, that, uh, you know, at least as far as coach McMillan thought that he was trying to play his best guys. And at that time, Cam wasn't one of them. And, 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 and also Cam wanted to play more obviously. And, and so, yeah, I think it's a, you know, to me, for a couple of seconds, I mean, you're not expecting the next Laurie Marketing kind of thing, but uh, it's cheap price to pay to get a good look. That's what I say, and, you know. And and like I say, he, there's a reason he was drafted where he was, and there's a reason where he's had some moments where it looked like he was a, a real talent, and there's also a reason why he's been a disappointment. <laughs> so, and and that's what you you know, if you can find out that uh for cheap than that which i think a couple of seconds especially if you could either a low one or spread them out uh could could be a be a really good chance to maybe improve your team for low cost
1: yeah i think i what the king's traded for josh jackson last year i think i'd be slightly more excited for cam reddish than i was for josh jackson but josh jackson was a top five pick he was you know he had some moments in detroit at one point or another it was like okay like uh, let's yeah. let's kick the tires on this guy maybe it works out and that's worth that's worth a second round pick at some point okay jerry we're gonna roll over to you for the uh, the reynolds wrap-up what do you got for us today jerry well
0: here's here's a thought this is a little different but uh the college football playoff they want to go to 12 now Here's my thoughts is we need, if that's the case, then they ought to have eight from the sec automatically, and then just spread out the other four, because, uh, you know, if, if, if you can't tell the difference by now, <laughs> you know, so uh, I, mean, it's just one of those things. It's like, I, man, I was pulling for TCU and hope they would, could win. I, I knew they wouldn't, but I thought they'd play a good game. And it was just men playing against boys, and, and that's that's all you could say to that. And, and I mean, you know, and then my second thing, and I I I've really enjoyed football. I don't know squat, but then again, a lot of people that are supposed to be experts don't either. But, the, you know, the old deal is like uh, 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 Bennett, the quarterback for Georgia, they're saying, well, you know, I don't think he'll get drafted. And I'm thinking, okay. They say, well, he's too little. Uh, he's there. I said, "Well, uh, okay." Now, but the first round pick is going to be Trace Young or Bryce Young from Alabama, who's about the same size. And I'm thinking, "Now, now, wait a minute." Uh, and and really, just watching uh, Purdy for San Francisco, yeah. and you're thinking, "Now, wait a minute, here, guys, you there's and over the years, I mean, they've missed on quarterbacks, you know, forever. I mean, missed badly. Of course, Brady being the classic case, the sixth round pick, you know, uh, you know, Kirk Warner wasn't drafted. Uh, Joe Montana was the third round pick. Brett Favre was a second round pick. Johnny Unitas wasn't drafted. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, so, I mean, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, you think, geez, just being a quarterback on two-time national champion ought to get you drafted somewhere, uh, in the top seven rounds, you know, and if he's too little and can't do it, that's fine. But, uh, but then again, you know, they always say, and, and then, but then on the second, the next breath is yeah, Bryce Young, I think he's probably better, but I don't think he's that much better. So, So,
1: Jerry, uh, it was it was good of you to say that uh, that it was men against boys, seeing as how Stetson Bennett is twenty five years old as a starting yeah. quarterback for that team. That is a that is a yeah. full grown man at that point.
0: Well, well, you know, and we're going to see more of that as we go. I think in basketball and bait and football all with the with the transfer portal, guys as long as they've got some eligibility left, you know, they until you know if they can't play pro, they're going to play. You know, and I, I think you know for which you know is that is that good for the college sports? I don't know. I, I think the I think it's it's fairer than it used to be. You know, if coaches can leave, uh, players ought to have the same option now. Well, whether it should be, you know, I get a transfer because you yelled at me, uh, or or you wouldn't, or you took me out of the game after I missed eight straight shots or something. I mean, I'm going to transfer that sort of thing. So so anyway, that's my. Uh, get off my lawn thing for the day is that that is <laughs> just i mean to to think that the sec isn't by far the dominant conference in football is is just foolish at this point sure. and then it's not to say ohio state might win one year or maybe someday usc will be back uh, but in in the meantime you know look kind of look at the Georgia and Alabama and Florida and LSU (laughs) and don't be surprised Tennessee if your champion isn't coming from one of those pretty much regular bases
1: well uh for all of us here at the King's Herald I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode um we will be back in 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 two weeks thank you so much and uh we'll see you soon